What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. Dave Lochran, that's me, joined by, as they are every Tuesday, Sal Vetri and Ben Rasa taking a first look. One of the more fun days of the week. Get to open up draft kicks, open up Fandle, and really get an idea of what we're looking at heading into the upcoming week. Week seven is in the books. Week eight is upon us. You got some buys. You've got 11 games, which is right in that wheelhouse, that 10 11 game. It's a beautiful spot for DFS. Ben, before we jump into this, number one, how you doing? Number two, what happened on DraftKings? I didn't know about this. You guys mentioned it to me before the show started. What happened last night on the showdown slate in the Millionaire Maker on DraftKings for anyone who's unaware? Yeah, so I'm doing fine. Uh, last night, though, there was a solo winner of the Millie Maker. He was up by 0.1. Game ends. 45 minutes later, they updated Jared Goff's last, I think it was a sack. They said it was just a designed run, basically. And that removed a sack from the Bears defense. And it cost that poor guy $997,000. Uh, if that happened to me, I certainly wouldn't be talking to you right now on the show. Um, I don't know how you get over something like that. I really don't. The, the crazy thing too, Sal. Welcome, brother. Good to have you. Uh, and glad to have all of you guys with us. If you're just joining. Uh, the crazy thing isn't that he dropped it. On a main slate millionaire maker, he'd still be going to sleep with $150,000, right? Like, it's not the worst consolation prize, but this is unthinkable. Like, go ahead, Sal. (laughs) No, yeah, it's terrible. It's just the way that every little, like, 0.1 points will chop you that far off. Like, not even 100,000 to to 3,000. It's a million to 3,000. And it's just like, you can't even, obviously, the guy was sweating it, watching it celebrating it for I don't know how long after he had a couple minutes 20 half hour to celebrate before a stack correction I don't know the exact play there were some people speculating the play um it's just uh, a terrible thing it's, it's somebody who's going to get sacked seven yards behind the line of scrimmage the guy instead slides down as a quarterback usually that's ruled a sack like at least 95 percent of the time I've seen that that's ruled a sack and in the worst possible situation for whatever the guy that won that it's ruled the opposite way so brutal I mean that's why like a lot of the times I literally was just saying, I think like two or three days ago on a show that I try like not to tilt and like just part of that is not checking where I am in the standings until like 
the last possible second, it's impossible not to tilt if you're that guy right now in a lot more. Absolutely. What I like to do is I, I, I follow very close attention to the statistics and like the box scores and everything. Uh, ben, you know, I've done this for a long time, but I don't, I try not to look at my contest for that Thank very you. reason. And one of the reasons is, you know, you have to worry Sal about who's going to pass you and who you can pass. And, and if you're up top, like I'd always rather climb the ladder than, than worry about sliding down the rungs of that ladder. But the the, the thing is when you're paying and, and I don't, certainly don't criticize anyone for doing it, but that's some of the fun to a lot of people checking their scores. But the the one thing that I hate about it is now I have to worry about a thousand other players doing poorly, a thousand like specific players doing badly when otherwise I can just worry about my guys doing well, because ultimately it has no effect on whether we win or lose. If we know we're going to, you know, it, it just takes some pressure off of you mentally. Yeah, exactly. And like, that exact same thing happened from that night game, just having a night game this weekend for a lot of people. Like for me, I think there's like five minutes left in regulation. Then it goes to overtime. I like passed out on my couch and wake up like 20 minutes after the game, catch up on the game, then look at everything I had. And I felt comfortable about the week. And then see, I lost like 85% of my winnings in that overtime in the last five minutes of the game. I'm just like, I would have been tilting that whole time, like mad, but I looked in and I was pissed, but it was like five minutes and I was like, all right, whatever. So yeah, it's five minutes and not two hours of, of being miserable. So, oh yeah. Or permanent. Like you can see what happens if you, if you do it for years, you just are permanently like that uh, case in point being me. So (laughs) it's, you really don't want to sweat, especially with like, I mean, I'm not going to talk about golf on the show, but you can't sweat Mm -hmm. golf. That's actually the worst DFS sweat because it, you can go backwards. Like you could, you're, everyone could be done and you could have your guys on the course and you can just still lose because you can lose points in golf. All right. So we've got 11 games, Ben. And I will say this early on, we don't have ownership yet. We'll have it tomorrow. Matt Kajewski, Kyle Dvorak, myself, talk about all of it on this same 11 Eastern show once we get the first run of ownership in top stacks. But what we like to do here is take a cursory look at every position. Um, we have some early totals. We have some early spreads out. Uh, and we also have our opinions uh, at each of these spots But Ben, I'll say this much. Last week, I felt like there were a lot of quarterbacks that could erupt. It isn't to say that in 2020, that can't happen in a lot of games this week. But I I definitely feel like I might, I'm going to have a narrower um, player pool, at least at the quarterback position than I did in week seven. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm in line with that for sure. And it wasn't even just, there was a lot of quarterbacks. I felt there was a lot of quarterbacks at different price points. Like we talked about Burrow uh, all the way down as a pay down option. And we talked about Russ at the top and everywhere in between. And it seemed like they all kind of got there in one way or another. So uh, I'm with you there. I kind of want to just throw this question out immediately. If we can jump into it, Lamar comes off the bye. He gets a brutal matchup. He is the fourth highest priced quarterback, which is something we don't really see. I expect he will be very low owned. Are are we interested in that? I, I mean, I kind of am, but I've been playing him to middling success at best. I'll throw that straight over to you. So now what are your thoughts coming off the bye for Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I'm going to be interested in him, especially, I mean, it, it's a lesser extent depending on what this Ingram injury uh, is going to be just from the running game perspective. But 
I'll be interested. He's been from a fantasy perspective, just as a passer, nowhere near the same as last year. Like right now he's averaging below average seven yards per attempt. His efficiency has dropped. It's not like brutal. It's closer to league average than being really bad, but it's nowhere near what we were getting last year out of him. But just because of the rushing upside, he's still like on this slate, he's second in fantasy points per dropback. Only Russell Wilson's higher. So he's still in that cal- caliber of a fantasy player. So yeah, I'm going to be interested. I think you get a nice discount. The matchup's brutal, but it's still close to a 25 implied team total. They're opening up as like decent favorites five. I think that thing's going to shrink to probably like three. So it just makes it look a little bit better from a competitive standpoint. Yeah, 7,400. He was the first quarterback. If I just filter by price that like I put a yes by and a star by to look more into stacking options is the biggest concern with him when it comes to just the GPPs. You have Andrews who the Steelers very much have been limiting tight ends this year in a major way. And you have Hollywood Brown. That's about it. But running Lamar like naked in GPPs or just with Hollywood will be appealing this week to me. I think Kyle, doesn't Kyler Murray lead the league in points per dropback now? Yeah, he does. He just like on this specific slate, it's. Oh, Russell I'm sorry. Okay, Lamar. okay. I missed that part. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good point. But the crazy thing too, though, Sal, when it comes to Jackson, I don't want to spend you know exorbitant amount of time on him. But last year, okay, so we we talked about some some likely regression. Well, this year I think it's point seven one fantasy points per dropback. Still top three in the league. Second on this slate, as you uh, pointed out. Last year, 0.91 points per dropback. The next closest player was Ryan Tannehill at 0.7, and then Drew Brees at 0.59. I think we could all agree that that was not sustainable, uh, given the massive gap from everybody else and just the overall insane efficiency. So 0.71 isn't even bad. It's just I think a lot of people came into this year expecting him to do what he did last year, and there's just simply no way that was going to happen. Yeah, and then something else, it's probably just small sample, but his three biggest games of the year when he's gone over 25-plus points have been against the three best defensive lines that he's faced. So I don't know if that's just leading to more design runs, the last one being the Eagles where he goes over 100 rushing yards, Washington and Cleveland compared to some of the other defensive lines that are brutal like Houston. So maybe there's something to that, just having more opportunities to having to generate those those rushing plays. Uh, this is where some of his bigger rushing yards totals are. Now you're getting Pittsburgh, who's the number one pass rush. Ben, at the top of this position outside of Lamar Jackson, you have Patrick Mahomes at $8,000, most expensive uh, quarterback on DraftKings for obvious reasons. He's facing the Jets. The Chiefs are laying 19 and a half points. They have a 33.8 implied total in a game that has a 48 point over under. You do the math. Uh, I can't help but wonder whether or not you're going to see Clyde Edwards Alaire and Le'Veon Bell eat up a ton of this work uh, and take away from Patrick Mahomes. But it also does feel like one of these spots where Mahomes could, in three quarters, rack up five touchdown passes. So uh, I have a little bit of trepidation here at his price point, knowing that they're huge favorites. Maybe the foot comes off the gas. But we've seen Mahomes do it in the past where they route teams, and he's got 40 drafting points in the first two and a half quarters as well. So uh, h- how do you view this spot for Mahomes and the passing game specifically? I think the biggest problem you mentioned, obviously it's not their team total, it's the game total. Uh, When you have a 48 game total and and you're favored by three touchdowns, basically, it's almost impossible to have scenarios where the Jets keep up, where the Jets push them at all. So I think it's pretty safe to say he has the highest floor of all the quarterbacks. He's not going to kill you. But we were talking before the show, uh, Lafayette, we were joking around about like, oh, I put up a lineup with 230. Did you even cash? it's becoming harder and harder to take. You almost need the other team to cooperate because even if Mahomes has a fantastic game, there's so many other quarterbacks that can put up mind boggling numbers for the same price in games that are going to be much more competitive. So I think that's just, 
given the nature of the NFL right now, it's really hard to trust the team when their starters should not be passing late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, the one argument is that they have the highest total on the yeah. slate, you know, almost 34 points, but they could manufacture scoring in a bunch of different ways. Sal, at the top of the position, you already talked about Lamar. You've got Mahomes against the Jets laying almost 20 points. Wilson against San Francisco. Uh, naturally, you'd think that's a low-scoring game, but who knows what to think going into this one, especially given Seattle's you know ineptitude defensively. Then you have Rodgers at home against the Vikings and Josh Allen against New England. Not a spot I'm looking to target, especially given his issues that we've seen over the previous three weeks. How do you tackle the top tier of quarterback among the guys that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah, it's 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 tough just due to the price points. I'm going to have Mahomes. Um, you get his price point to jump, but also Hill and Kelsey's price point jump, so it's a little bit tougher to get there. And then when you're trying to run, find a runback option, if you're game stacking this, Denzel Mims is like $3,000 or like $3,200, really low down there, saw seven targets in his debut. So although like that stack of KC is expensive, just run the runback option being like almost a flat minimum will kind of alleviate some of that. It almost like makes Mahomes be like a $7,000 quarterback when you're comparing it to some of your other stacks. So I still like Mahomes even at the price point. Yeah, they're going to be like 20-point uh, favorites, which is just nuts, but it's, the game's not going to start out 20 nothing. And if it does, you're probably getting a couple touchdowns in that first quarter from Mahomes. And then after that, I probably jumped to Rodgers. I mean, he's fa- faced this team already in Minnesota. They were brutal week one. They've slightly improved in their secondary from being like looking like one of the worst two defenses back there to now only in the bottom 10. But it's still a fine matchup for Rodgers. You have Adam's price point coming up. Uh, whether you want to stack it with Jones, who's fairly priced, you have MBS, Tony, and there's some cheaper options to get you there. So that's probably where it is. It's still number one Mahomes and then Rodgers out of those four guys that you mentioned. All right. So I'll stick with you for a minute here, Sal. Let's go into uh, – let's dip our feet into the mid-range here. Justin Herbert coming off a monster performance that you know, ultimately helped nobody. And I say that because, yep. sure, if you're running him solo, it, that's great for you. But how many – I can't tell you how many Herbert lineups I had uh, in, in stacking situations that really weren't didn't benefit much from that. Because, sure, Keenan, Keenan Allen had, I think, from a volume perspective, you know, you still got a decent game from him. But it wasn't over the top. It was still good. I think he had like 25 DraftKings points. But Hunter Henry, that was tough. Uh, That was a real tough spot where you've got Parnum scoring. You have Virgil Green scoring, uh, Reed scoring. uh, And then, of course, Guyton again. Yes, Keenan Allen, the Herbert connection is going to do you great things. But on an overall larger scale, that went to so many guys that probably, you know, it just – if you if you told me they scored 36 points and Herbert had 40 plus drafting points, we would have expected a lot more from the key members of this offense. Uh, but I digress. Herbert against Denver, Tannehill against Cincy. That should be a very high scoring game. I think there's some intrigue there. And then Pittsburgh against the tough Baltimore defense, Jared Goff, Stafford, Breeze. Uh, and then Burrow is where I kind of really like that spot. But maybe you can tell me why I shouldn't. How do you tackle the 6K range? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the two rookies, and then it's just a dead range for me. Like, I really don't want – I think it was – yeah, I think it was Ben last week talking about just the statue older quarterbacks like Big Ben and Rivers and, and Stafford. All these guys are basically in this range. But it's up top for Herbert for me because his price point increases, but that's about it. Like, Keenan Allen stays the same. Hunter Henry stays the same. They have been distributing the ball all over the place. Allen has been the one constant there, so even if you want a full game stack it – you feel good about that price point staying the same. He's still cheap. The issue becomes like Denver is just atrocious right now. It's really tough to get a, a beat on them. If fans going to be healthy, you have a runback option. So 
I still like Herbert, but if people watching this are just trying to build like one lineup or two lineups, it, I mean, Burrow just looks like the discount Herbert this week, uh, $700 less. He's in a very similar situation, actually has a better team total coming in. And this one has a slight underdog and this team's just throwing the ball. They're number seven in explosive plays right now. They have so many weapons when it comes to stacking outside of the Chargers right now. They're spreading around to Tyron Johnson and, and Guyton and Donald Parham. There's just like three options you could rely on in, in your stacks with Joe Burrow. And he's cheap, 6,200. Like right now, just looking at this, he looks like, like point per dollar, the best quarterback play on the slate. You can stack them up, um, maybe even in cash. And then the nice thing about it is you get the mobile upside. We saw a little bit of that finally out of Herbert last week that we didn't really know about, but it's just been consistent for like 20 yards, close to 20 yards a game right now for Burrow. It has. Look, it is kind of a de- If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood financial LLC member SIPC range I don't disagree could Ben Roethlisberger last week have had a much better game had Deontay Johnson not dropped a, a longer touchdown and he not been picked off as much sure uh Jared Goff does not stand out to me that much he's he really is much of a system quarterback give him credit for yesterday sure but I'm not enticed by him uh Ben I come down and look at somebody like Joe Burrow who has struggled to punch the ball in the end zone but has thrown for 300 plus yards in uh, five of his last six games, capping it off with 406 yards, three touchdowns last week. Now he goes into a matchup against the Tennessee Titans, who have been an absolute sieve defensively. What are you doing with him in the rest of the range? Yeah, it's hard not to like him. We'll see what's up with Mixon. But if Mixon sits, and regardless, honestly, they have to throw. And what Sal said, I think, is really important, that the production, it's not – when you're stacking these quarterbacks, obviously you need both ends to work. I had a ton of Herbert and I didn't get paid off with the Bengals. There's just not that many guys that come out of the blue. It's the main weapons. It's the guys that you're going to be stacking with are going to get that production. And if Mixon sits, they have no choice. I will say, God, and this feels just terrible. I do have a little interest in Derek Carr uh, at 5,500. I love Derek Carr this week. (laughs) I am just not a Derek Carr guy. I have to admit he's playing pretty well this, this year. Cleveland is not good defensively. That price is very enticing. Game 54 total is very healthy. And if you look at the numbers, uh, he's been pretty effective this year, which is honestly a big surprise for me. All right. Um, So (laughs) with Derek Carr, I have him penciled in. Sal, we'll go to you as somebody that that I'm willing to look at it. And I'll just give you a, a couple of reasons and see where you're at here. $5,500. He's really the cheapest guy that I'm, willing to to consider here Cleveland defensively has really been full of holes uh particularly their passing defense and Derek Carr I know Ben said he's not a fan I'm typically not a fan either but if we're being fair to him he has multiple touchdown passes in each of his last five games three touchdown passes in uh in two of those he has limited interceptions he has also gone 20-plus DraftKing points in four of his last five. Sure, we need more than that. But at 5,500, I don't think a blow-up game from Derek Carr is necessarily out of the question. 
one of the biggest things too, though, is who do you stack him with? Is it Waller? Can you get rugs in there? Do you want to go to Aguilar? But um, your thoughts on Carr and the rest of this tier, uh, the bottle, the bottom tier. You're muted, son. Yeah, especially especially in a week where like the top end is going to be just a lot more expensive and, and hard to stack up the, up there. I think this range down here of of really Carr and Jimmy G, it's going to be interesting to see what I get. I don't think I'll be anywhere like incredibly high on them. I actually like Jimmy G a little bit more, but for Carr, yeah, eight point two yards per attempt. I think it's Aguilar and Waller if you're like trying to full on game stack it. They're using Aguilar as the X, like just full on number one receiver. We'll see whenever Brian Edwards comes back if that changes, but it looks like Aguilar is going to be the main guy out there. Uh, feels gross. He's priced up now, and, and rugs will look a little bit more appealing because of that, but that's probably the main two I would go to. Um, I don't think I'll be on him all that much. Again, like Jimmy G doesn't feel great. Similar total. He's actually going to be a slight underdog as well, so it comes in for me just Ayuk with no Debo, and George Kittle looks like a more condensed target share. I'll go there, but the obvious thing is like cars look a lot better than Jimmy G. I'm glad you mentioned Garoppolo, though. I, I don't think that's a crazy option in the event that this game does see some scoring. Uh, I think we could both agree that this could be one of those games that is kind of surprisingly lower score. Well, I don't know if it's surprisingly lower scoring, but it's kind of difficult to to put your finger on the pulse of this one as far as what direction it's going to take. But hey, let me ask you this. Sal and Ben, just shake yes or no. Have you seen the total on this game yet? I have not. Uh, the Seattle San Fran? Yeah. Yeah, um, right now. Uh, don't, I, have, I, don't know, I want Ben to guess if you if you know it. Uh, forty-eight, fifty-four. Yeah, that's higher than I thought it would be. Way higher than I thought. I thought forty-seven, forty-eight. So, right. Sal, if, if we're getting a t- and maybe it'll be bet down, but it's not going to be bet down that much. Um, Garoppolo has to be in play, and like you said, if you have a condensed. Uh, distribution of targets here where knowingly that Debo Samuel is out and the run game is pretty decimated right now. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think that's a crazy option at all. So anything else for quarterback fellas? That's a lot, man. What? Not 54. I, I know Seattle. I know it's a lot. That's, that's a why lot. I wanted you to guess it. It's like, <laughs> like it, 54 between a divisional game between in a division where, how long have they been known for their defense? Uh, I know Seattle isn't the Legion of Boom anymore, and and San Francisco's got a lot of injuries, but still, that's markedly higher than I thought it would be. Makes it really interesting. What's the spread yeah, so on that game? Uh, it's so they're like they come in right now as three point underdogs. So it, I mean, which sets up even better for Jimmy G. Um, yeah, they're the seventh highest. They're tied for the seventh highest total. San Fran out of the twenty two teams on this main slate. <laughs> that's that's. This is this is shocking to me, but that's that's why we talk about it. Uh, and meanwhile, the the Raiders game has a total of fifty three and a half, so points to be scored down there. And I think it's very much doable. Let's talk about running backs before we do, guys. If you're not subscribed to the channel yet, uh, hit that subscribe button. Totally free to make that happen. And well, if you don't like it, we will gladly refund your misery. Just click unsubscribe at any time that's convenient for you. I don't think you'll want to, but subscribe to the channel. Uh, it helps you out, and of course, it helps us out as well uh, when it comes to being able to get more views, more eyes on the channel so we can keep putting out free content. Uh, little things like that and hitting that thumbs up button go a very long way. So you know it. We appreciate all the support here that we get on the channel. And hit that notification bell if you want to be notified when new content's going to drop next. Uh, one more thing. The promo code, we're doing something cool for Halloween. Promo code PUMPKIN gets you a week 
of Awesome Mode Plus Platinum NFL content, meaning all of our NFL content from Alex Baker's ownership to he's awesome if you didn't know his ownerships projections the top stack tool all of the showdown content the lineup builder all of the premium articles that we have and so much more everything for nfl available for ten dollars and 31 cents on the week that's almost a 20 dollar discount from the normal price just when you use pumpkin at checkout pumpkin it's good until Halloween is over. 1031 is what you pay. 1031 is when you have until it expires. So check that out. If you want to get the Fantasy Cruncher add-on, do that as well. But uh, projections, ownership, all of the tools for the number one ranked DFS player in the world. He uses these. We don't just put his name on him. It's the real deal. Alex Baker stuff and a bunch of amazing guys we've got working tirelessly to pump out amazing content every single day. Uh, and when you do sign up, be sure to hop into our premium Slack chat. Say what's up. Uh, people talking sports, DFS, sports betting around the clock. One more thing, $3.95 for the Express package. If you want to go cheaper, all of the showdown content, all of the showdown tools are included. We have an Express top stacks tool, Express ranking. So there's a lot included for less than $4 a week. You want to take that avenue as well. Go to awesomeo.com slash join. Check all of it out. There's something for everyone. And uh, hopefully you'll join the Awesomeo family sometime soon. All right, Sal, running back position. The top of this one's pretty wild because you've got Henry against Cincy. You have, and I just want you to run with this, Dalvin Cook against Green Bay. They say he's 99.999% chance of playing. And then Aaron Jones in the event that he plays against Minnesota. And then Kareem Hunt against Las Vegas at 6,900 and up. This tier has so much to talk about and so much to really feel good about, uh, at least from my perspective. Yeah, basically like the opposite of the quarterback position. You're going to get yeah. a lot of what you want to play, at least early in the week. We'll see what happens like last week with some injuries, but you want pretty much everything up top here. So, I mean, the thing that stands out first to me from a, just a GPP standpoint I mean, it's probably all the way down at Aaron Jones if he's going to be healthy, but Derrick Henry just to go down at $8,000 against Cincy. He's coming in as a touchdown favorite open. I think it's like five now, five-point favorites for Tennessee here. It's just the volume that you're getting. If you're going to consistently get 25-plus touches out of him, um, now it's going to be turning into Derrick Henry, 5.5 uh, yards per carry, Mr. November. So I, outside of just that narrative type stuff, yeah, the matchup's really good. He's a favorite. This is the game script that they want to get to. Even in a matchup against Pittsburgh, like they just still – in a bad game script, bad matchup, they just still hammer him as many times as they possibly can, as long as it's within a score or two. So Henry at $8,000 is where I at least look to first um, in, in a GPP standpoint. And all these guys, I have yeses on literally everybody from Kareem Hunt above. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly how I just writing everybody down. Like, I like him. I like him. Good spot there. Good spot there. What about you, Ben? Yeah, this feels like, you know, we talked about some value quarterbacks and part of the reason I have interest in them is because I'm not super high on paying down at running back. I, I have a feeling I'm going to have lineups that have Henry and Kareem Hunt or Henry and Kamar, you know, really expensive yeah. top end options. These guys are in really good matchups. The mid range is decimated with injuries. There's a ton of guys either on IR or questionable. Uh, the few remaining either are priced up due to injuries. And now the, the original guy is coming back or it's a really tough matchup. So to me, there's going to be a massive dead range. You're either really punting at running back or you're paying, you know, premium prices. I'm more prone to try to make it work with Henry, who's my favorite play of the running backs, and then one other top-end guy. Well, there also aren't that many punts to feel particularly good about right now unless we get news uh, throughout the week. Like with Aaron Jones last week, DraftKings and these sites couldn't preemptively price up Jamal Williams, right? But 
In this case, Alexander Madison's already priced up in the event that Cook sits. I don't think he will. Jamal Williams is priced up. I still think he's viable, even if Jones sits in this matchup, but we'll get there. Uh, you know, Hunt with, with Chubb on the IR, obviously, uh, with Mostert out. You know the situation there. Gio Bernard's priced up with Mixon questionable. And even Carlos Hyde has seen a price increase with um, with Chris Carson sitting this one out. He's questionable, but I, there's no way he plays. From last I saw, he's week to week. So, um, you know, that 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 is, as Ben said, going to make it tougher to really find any legitimately good value, at least this early in the week, Sal. Yeah, exactly. Everything is up top right now. And, and honestly, Kareem Hunt at 6900 Price point, I think, might have came up $100 since last week. He just looks on his, uh, like the most underpriced guy that I'm looking at out of yeah. all of this. He played the most snaps out of any running back. Career high for him, over 92% of the snaps last week. There's just nobody else in this backfield. And he had a bad game, it seemed like, and he still scored 19.2 fantasy points. It seemed like he wasn't getting you there. Now he's going to be a favorite, five-point favorite. You have Odell being banged up. Hooper, well, Odell's done. Hooper being banged up, likely to miss early on right now. This team wants to run the ball anyways. Still no chub. It's just unlined yet again. He had 20 touches last week, the week before that. Uh, as a big underdog, only 14, but the week before that, 26. I mean, I'm going to be projecting probably around 20 touches for him with around five opportunities in the passing game. So at $6,900, like point per dollar wise, I think Hunt might grade out as my best point per dollar play. No doubt about it. Uh, And two favorable game scripts over the last couple of three weeks or neutral game scripts. He had 24 total looks, 20 carries and four targets, and then 22 with 18 carries and four targets against Pittsburgh. Uh, they had to take their foot off the they, they well they, not off the gas they had the you know they the whole car blew up uh, in that in that miserable loss to to Pittsburgh and then you know it was a wrap after that but I'll, I'll just say this much Ben uh, Dalvin Cook Derrick Henry assuming these guys are active Dalvin Cook Derrick Henry Aaron Jones Kareem Hunt I, I love all of them this week yeah it, it's a great range to attack you can mix and match and it's just a product this is why you know these slates are not created equal. Sometimes it's paying up at quarterback. Sometimes it's paying up at other positions this week. The way I look at it at this first look running back is really where I want to allocate a lot of my salary. I think there's a huge opportunity cost to punting. There's too many guys that could explode. And I, I just don't, you know, like I look at, I look at Daryl Henderson. I think he's fine. I think there are past him to have success. We saw last night, you know, he was rolling and then Malcolm Brown falls in the end zone. It looks like they don't like acres, but you are playing roulette. It's the famous thing I say every time you're trying to get, they have to have success on the ground and then you have to pick the right Rams running back. So there's just easier spots to attack. And I'm going to try to avoid that at all costs. Ricky Asmo Jr. Says you guys want me 18 grand last night on Fandle. Oh. Congrats, man. First of all, you, you won yourself. 18 yeah, I, grand. I, I didn't do that. Um, yeah. You won yourself 18 grand. We're just happy to be able to help in really any way we can, but uh, congrats. That's awesome, dude. Sal, actually, let me stay with you, Ben, and and then we'll go to you, Sal, for some cheaper guys as well. But we'll hit on the 6K range. Jonathan Taylor's volume, I don't know where you stand on that. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, eight carries, eight of the 17 running back carries. I know they were they were throttling uh, the, the, the Denver Broncos, so who knows what that looks like. But I would be lying if I said I didn't have some concern about his volume going forward. But he's 6,500 facing the Jets team as 20-point favorite. So I think it's a spot we need to talk about. Um, and then you've got Chubb, Mostert, all these guys on the IR. Mixon's questionable, but facing Tennessee. 
And then you get down to Josh Jacobs at 6,200. Jamal Williams of Jones sits at 6,100. Uh, the, there are a few options here that are interesting to me, but I think all of them have some form of caveat heading into week eight, at least this early in the week. They definitely do. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, Sal. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Yeah, I, I think it's just a lot of guys with a lot of, you know, there's question marks, whether it's volume, whether it's matchup. I'll throw one more. James Conner is a guy, you know, you look at it at Baltimore, really tough matchup. But then you dig into the numbers. Baltimore hasn't been nearly as strong. 23rd right now in rushing yards allowed per attempt. I do think they're a better front than that metric indicates. But he's going to get the volume. Last week, he should have had two touchdowns. He ended up with zero somehow. Uh, very tilting. But it's just not a lot of guys where he checks every box. You're going to have a red flag if you go in this range. How about you, Sal? Yeah, so for me, I think that I probably go all the way down to Josh Jacobs at 6,200 out of all yeah. these names to stand out the most. Uh, you're just getting all the volume. Like in the last game, you really can't do much. It's not only a bad matchup for him against Tampa Bay, they get down big. So you only see 13 touches. But every week before, other than that, 18 touches in at least every single game with the upside of averaging 20 plus touches per game. We talked about just Derek Carr. Well, the opposite end of that is that it's just a slight underdog for him. You're probably, as long as this game stays close, going to be in that range of somewhere around 18 touches for him. He's been more involved in the passing game, seeing at least four targets in four out of the six games so far this year, bringing in three of them in all of those. So, yeah, he, he looks like a fine option. Cleveland's run defense, due to some injuries, has from the first three weeks of the season being like one of the best-looking ones. These past three, it's, it's actually dropped all the way down to 16th overall right now. So I think Jacobs is in line for a nice bounce-back week where not a lot of people on him last week. He lets people down that were. I would I suspect that the ownership doesn't spike on him. Yeah, 6,200, if you're getting down to it's, – it's very simple, Sal. Volume is king, right? Reign supreme. And I, I think the Vegas Raiders are an, actually a decent team. I know they got smoked by the Bucs, but the Bucs look – Ben, I'm sorry to say, the Bucs look absolutely dominant right now. I know it pains you to say that, uh, that Tom Brady just broke – the Bucks' record for most touchdown passes thrown in the first half of a season. And he's not even halfway through the season yet, but uh, I know, I know. You know what? Justin Herbert is a superstar. So I balance it out with that. I was the only one <laughs> on that island at the Herbert. beginning. You so. were all over Herbert. Also Drew Locke, but he's lost all of his. <laughs> to calm down over there. What are you doing to me? I'm no, joking. Listen, yeah. Drew, Drew, <laughs> Les, you know, I have, I have more respect for you than most. <laughs> Uh, Drew Locke has lost. <laughs> Drew Locke's lost like all of his viable weapons. Yeah. So I don't even count that right now. He got Noah Fab back for a day, uh, and then you lose Cortland Sutton. They've been beat up, no question about it. But uh, either way, with Josh Jacobs, I don't even know how I got to where I did. Oh, I know the Vegas Raiders aren't a bad team. They are not a bad team, and this should stay close, Sal. So. When you talk about someone in Jacobs who had 23 carries the week before that, well, bye week, and then in week five against the Kansas City Chiefs in a win, and in a neutral to favorable game script, could easily see 25-plus overall touches, 6,200 is just very, just too cheap. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's probably where in that range I'd be going to the most up into that $6,200 point. And like we talked about to start with the running backs, how a lot of them are up top, but I think there's going to be – I mean, we'll see what happens with Joe Mixon. They're on by in week nine. So I would think that they hold him out if he's not logging full practices like beginning tomorrow. But when we get to this like mid to low five carry range, I think there's probably two, maybe three pretty strong options that you can start to get some salary relief at running backs. Fire away. 
Yeah. So, I mean, the first one's DeAndre Swift. He's probably, and he should pick up ownership this week after not having any last week. He's now cemented as like the guy in Detroit. He had 18, uh, he ended up having 13 touches. He ran 14 routes and he saw all the red zone work, which was the big thing in this game. So he saw three red zone carries, a red zone look in the passing game. So four overall opportunities in the red zone, you're getting the passing game work and now you're getting the majority of the work on the ground as well. So that's very, very encouraging to see. Indy's defense has been up and down, starts to year hot. It's looked kind of suspect the last couple of weeks, but Swift at 5,300 looks great. And if he does pick up ownership, you're going to probably have the no ownership on Miles Gaskin at 5,200. Rams have not been good against the run this year. A huge drop back. That's like the only spot where they haven't been good in terms of their defense so far. It's their one weakness up front in their line. And Miles Gaskin right now continues to get work. I mean, 22 touches before the bye week. The bye week comes in now to draw some of just any remembrance of what he's been doing so far off of him. He's had back-to-back games with 21-plus touches. So I don't like him, but he's getting all the volume and he's getting passing game work of basically on average five targets per game right now. So I do think that Gaskin and Swift at those price points, they're probably the lowest I'd go barring some sort of injury this week, but they're the guys that I like. Ben, uh, you heard it. A couple of guys there in the 5K range. Anybody else stand out to you that you like or that you're at least willing to entertain? Uh, I'm willing to entertain Melvin Gordon just because, again, that you mentioned and you are right, Drew Locke has nobody left. He's going to have to carry the load, even if they fall behind in times Denver. He'll be involved in the passing game. Uh, Gaskin is interesting. I do worry a little about what we get with Tua. We just don't know. Uh, maybe that equals more dump-offs. Maybe that equals just less points for the Dolphins. I'm just not sure exactly what to expect from Tua at this point. Swift, to me, would be the obvious one, but I think the field will think that as well, and I expect him to be the most popular. Do you don't think people are still going to, to both of you guys, but I'll stick with you, but you, you guys don't think people are going to look at it and say Adrian Peterson still out-touched him on the ground for the second straight week, and that kind of sucks? I, I think that he masked what could have been a, a crash week with that touchdown. Um, it, it didn't kill you, and I, I think people want to go to Swift. There's also the element, and, and I'm guilty of this like a lot of people, I think people look at that and they say Swift should be the guy and it makes them more prone to play it. And it's not about what they should do. It's about what they actually do. For sure. Uh, and that factors into it. Agree with that. Uh, another thing too is Peterson touched the ball once in the fourth quarter. Swift touched the ball five times. So uh, that should help a little bit. As far as Melvin Gordon goes, Philip Lindsay departed that game late in the second quarter with the, with the concussion. He had nine carries and he was absolutely running rough shot over that Kansas city defense. So if Lindsay's out, uh, I agree. Melvin Gordon could be very interesting. If he's in, he was getting more work in the first half as a rusher than Melvin Gordon. So uh, that's a spot that I want to pay very close attention to because it could go one of two very different ways. Sal, round out the position. Anything else you like at uh, running back? I think we touched on most of it. Yeah, so that that's basically it. I'll just clear up some of like the messier backfields, at least from this past week. Joshua Kelly ended up getting more snaps, red zone usage than Justin Jackson. So that backfield is just still a mess and a tough matchup against Denver. So I don't really want to go there. San Fran's backfield is all over the place right now. They said they were resting Jarek McKinnon, although like he, he had like a career high in snaps one week, but every other week he was basically being rested. So that's odd. I don't know if that's something of more to come, but Jamichael Hasty, Tevin Coleman's minimum price, he would have to like be off the IR and practicing by like Thursday or Friday if you have any confidence in actually playing him, but something to keep an eye on. And then the Jets backfield, the 20 point underdogs, but Michael P. Ryan uh, for the first time this year took over the majority of the opportunities over Frank or uh, found the end zone as well, I believe. So that's a really deep down punt play as a 20 point underdog, 4,300. You'd have to get some passing game work. Yeah. Snaps were like 70% to 23, I think something crazy. So 
Uh, yeah, the, if, if you think he's going to be playing from behind, which they should be, there might be something there. Ben, as we turn the page to the wide receiver position, Devontae Adams coming off in an absolutely monstrous week with uh, 13 to 16 for a buck 96 and two touchdowns to be outdone only by Tyler Lockett in that late game. Michael Thomas, who the hell knows what's going on with him at this point? Uh, I, I, I have no idea. It sounds like he's still in danger of sitting out week eight. Adam Thielen's got a tough spot against Green Bay. Lockett's up there against San Francisco in a game that has a surprising 54-point total. And Allen Robinson rounds out that 7K range with a 7K flat price point against New Orleans. Anyone you really like here at the top for their money? So I think DK Metcalf is interesting just if you want to play that recency bias. Everyone, you know, Lockett crushed. He was a little quiet. His big moment ended up being a penalty in overtime. Uh, his biggest moment was running that guy down. Which is it just insane. But would have been it, a long touchdown though to win that game had they not had that offensive holding call. Yeah, yeah, it was that that game. Um, obviously, Adams is in the best spot, but this is an island price. He is thirteen hundred dollars clear of everybody else. Uh, he's in his own price point, and I think it's pretty justifiable. Minnesota's awful. He's unbelievable. They have nobody else. He's going to get the volume. He's as safe as they come. So. If you have the money, I, I totally get it. We'll have to see what's up with Michael Thomas. To me, it's Adams if you have the money. And then I, I do like Metcalf. I, I think that he almost seems overpriced. And for tournaments, I'm willing to embrace that uh, with the way Seattle plays. Okay, Sal, same question straight over to you. 7K and up. You've got six guys, likely going to be five if Michael Thomas is inactive. And it seems like he could be trending in that direction already. Yeah, I, I think that for me, my eyes go to Adam Thielen at first. And this is going to be a really interesting week to try and figure out what the Packers want to do with Jair Alexander. So he's right now PFF's number one cornerback. I had my own doubts coming into this week just about the teams that this Packers team has faced. So Jair Alexander, basically, they got to face the Saints without Michael Thomas. They got to face um, the Lions without Kenny Galladay. Julio Jones left before halftime of that game. So he hasn't had like that stud receiver out there. Week one, it was Adam Thielen that he covered 75% of the time. But Thielen beat him for like 67 yards and a touchdown, a couple of catches, almost scored 20 fantasy points. So now, though, that Justin Jefferson has emerged, what do they opt to do here? Are they going to be putting basically Jair on at Adam Thielen? Is it going to be a Justin Jefferson? I would bet or at least guess that it's going to be Adam Thielen again. He's the only guy who's beat him this year, so that's at least a positive. But then there's that positive side of it also that at 7,200, it's a fair price point. And you could also see Jair move over to Justin Jefferson. Basically, this year, Jair in four of his matchups has shadow guys, five of his matchups, at least 75% of the time. So he's like a full-on shadow quarterback right now for the Packers. So you would like him to move over to Jefferson. Either way, though, I think Thielen would be a guy who moves into the slot enough, a a nice play at 7,200. And the price separation between Thielen and Jefferson is not that much anymore. It's like $700, where before it was significantly, uh, a significant bigger disparity than that. So... Um, in the 6K range, from 6K all the way up to 6,900, there are a few interesting spots, Ben. One of them being, actually, let me let me stick with you, Sal, since I kicked the position off with Ben. Uh, AJ Brown had some uh, just a, a monster 73-yard touchdown run. The, the guy is a monster. It's 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 insane what he could do for a man of his size. Uh, him and Metcalf alike. It's like the two of these guys are the Giannis Antetokounmpo's of, of football of wide receivers. Another another huge game, 153 yards and a score against a good Pittsburgh secondary. That's given up some chunk plays, though, over the past few weeks. Stefan Diggs, huge disappointment. Matchup won't get all that much easier this week against Stefan Gilmore and the New England Patriots. 
Tyreek Hill against the Jets. Um, I'm not going to go through everybody here, but you know, you have both, you have both Rams receivers, Keenan Allen, uh, and then Tyler Boyd coming off his biggest game of the season facing the Tennessee Titans who have been gashed by opposing receivers. Yeah, so just looking at it on its own, it would be Keenan Allen for me in the 6K range out of all these receivers. It just, the price point doesn't even change since last week. He sees another 13 targets, which is not even the most he's seen all year. He has a 19 target game so far this year. And that was against CJ Hernandez, who or Henderson, who's supposed to be one of the better younger cornerbacks in the league. He saw a shadow matchup with him. It really didn't matter. He moves outside, he moves into the slot, runs every single route combination possible. So Keenan Allen at 6,200. He's probably going to see Bryce Callahan, who's been like a top five cover corner this year. Again, I still just don't think it matters for his skill set and route running ability. So I assume that he'll pick up a lot of ownership. But outside of that, it would be Tyler Boyd and A.J. Brown in some sort of stack. Tyler Boyd, yeah, you said best game, most targets he's seen. Most targets, I mean, he hasn't seen anywhere near that since week three when he saw 10 targets. And if we like Joe Burrow, if we like the savings there, if you want to stack him up with Tyler Boyd as your number one stacking option, 6,600 really isn't a lot to have to do that. The run back, the clear one would be if you're not going Derrick Henry, you're going to be stacking the passing games. A.J. Brown at 6,900. Every game that he's pretty much played and played all the way out, he's been dominant. Week one, he only had like nine fantasy points, but was missed on a touchdown. Since then, 20 plus in every single week. So that's probably like the primary stack I'll be looking to do this week, running back with some A.J. Brown uh, with Tyler Boyd. Okay. Uh, Steven in chat, one of our, one of our regulars here. What's up, Steven says, Stefan Gilmore has not been playing as well this season. No, you're right. Like you look at his PFF grade, it's definitely down, but he's still one of the best cover corners in the league. And I still want to pay the guy some respect, especially with the way Josh Allen's been playing. Ben, 6K range, where do you stand? I'm pretty much in line with where you guys are at. I, I think certainly the, the Tennessee Cincy matchup uh, is just, it's everything that you want for all your skill position players. It, it could be back and forth. It could be up and down. These are big play guys. Target share is going to be there. Then you look at guys like Kenny Dolliday. He's actually playing well, but I'm waiting for his volume type game. You know, he's getting it done six, seven, eight targets. It's not the best matchup with Indy. I, I want to see, you know, 10, 12 targets. It would have me obviously a lot more interested. Other than that though, uh, you know, there's flyers. It's hard to choose between these Rams guys. Keenan Allen is an obvious play. He's got everything that you want. And then it's the same question. Are you willing to roll the dice with Hollywood Brown? Uh, I would only do that probably with Lamar, but I do think he's enticing, even though obviously there are better matchups than the Steelers. So it's pretty crazy. If you went back, uh, Ian Hart, it's of pro football focus actually tweeted yesterday, a video. I retweeted it uh, of, all of Kenny Galladay's receptions from week seven. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he may have only caught, what was it? Six passes. Every single one of those catches was a circus catch. (laughs) Now it's pretty funny too, because Kenny Galladay is not getting a lot of average separation this year. Um, Among receivers, he's like bottom seven in the league in average separation per target. Uh, But it kind of doesn't matter, Sal, when he when it comes to making contested catches, because he's one of the best in the league uh, and coming down with balls that are anywhere in his, you know, catch radius, which is huge. So, you know, that total like average separation thing, I think it can be a little bit misleading to some people say, Oh, they don't get separation. They're, they're done. When you're somebody like Kenny Galladay that might not get a ton of separation, but can haul in anything that's in your area. Yeah, exactly. And last year, I mean, that's always been Kenny Galladay's thing. And last year it was like eight, Yeah, and last year that was A.J. Brown. Like, this year he's a little bit better in separation, but A.J. Brown last year wasn't getting separation. He was just, like, grown manning people, and after the catch was an absolute (laughs) monster. Like, if you're 
a good contested catch player and you're really great after the catch, like both of these players are, it, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're getting that extra like foot of separation. And as long as you have a half decent quarterback that can throw you open like Stafford can. I want to hit on this real quickly and then we'll get to the bottom guys and close it out with tight ends and give our one wild defensive pick uh, of the week. Cameron says, why put Tua in this matchup? Kind of confused. Donald could make his life a nightmare. I don't know if any of us disagree with you. I, Sal, okay. do, you, do you have a difference of opinion here? Yeah, I think I think that I probably do. It's just that it was just a bye week. Um, like if you're ever going to like have an extra week of preparation for a guy, it's now. I know they're three and three, but I don't think anybody thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody thinks they'll probably even make the playoffs. So you have a full year out of Tua. You might as well let him get in there early and, and play around so that next year maybe you are actual playoff contenders. Uh, and I think the best week to do that while he's a rookie is probably during the bye week. So that's the only reason why, like, I see why they did it. You have a whole extra week to prepare the guy. Yeah, the matchup's obviously not great from a defensive line standpoint of getting to the quarterback. They're, like, top five after last night. Um, but, yeah, I, I understand the bye week being the reason. Yes, Stockade Kid says, they always planned on making the change after the bye week, which was going to be week 11 because of the schedule changes they moved at the bye. I get it. Uh, I just don't know. It was a little bit shocking to me because Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing pretty decent football, and this team was gelling. So – I guess, Sal, that's the one, or sorry, Ben, that's the one area of confusion I have. It's like, yes, you had, this is what was happening, and I'm sure people are excited to see Tua, but that team actually looked pretty good. They were coming off a monster win against a good San Francisco team and then absolutely just annihilated the, the New York Jets. So it was just, I guess it's it's not something you see every day, so it's it's more difficult to process a move like that when the quarterback and the team was playing so well together. Yeah, I honestly, not to go like conspiracy theorist, I honestly believe that if Tyrod Taylor didn't get hurt, uh, that Tua wouldn't be in there. I think seeing Herbert get thrown in and succeed, Burrow <laughs> like is succeeding, everyone is like, all right, well, why aren't we doing this with Tua? But if Herbert was still on the bench, I don't think the pressure would be there to to throw Tua in. He's the only one of these guys who hasn't played, and I honestly think that actually had a had a somewhat domino effect. Well, yeah, and also the like, um, just the team being good. Well, the, where based on where you draft too, if he's healthy and ready to go, him coming in should elevate the team. And if it doesn't, well, now you know that. And heading into next year, maybe you have to start looking at other quarterbacks. Or you just have to start building around not having a great quarterback like you thought you did. Some conspiratorial thoughts from Ben Rossa on the strategy show. Yeah, it's a rare, I had to fill in for you for a second. I can <laughs> dig it. Sal, uh, let's talk about some cheap guys here. I'm not going to go 5K and then 4K. Let's hit on all of the cheap guys uh, in one shot here, and then we'll close out with you, Ben. Yeah, so to start it up, uh, $5,800 Brandon Ayuk. It does not look like Debo Samuel is going to play. going to miss a decent amount of time right now. He's coming off a seven-target game. But he also got, I mean, involved a ton just in the rushing game. He, he was getting that either way, these carries that Kyle Shanahan likes to dial up by, for Debo Samuel. But I would expect even more now. Had 115 receiving yards against J.C. Jackson, who's been very good so far this season. So Ayuk looked like the real deal, best game so far. And now he has that favorable matchup. Jimmy G, nice stacking option. Then T. Higgins. T. Higgins might be like the main stack option just due to the price I would go to and then Tyler Boyd. But it just sets up for a nice overall game stack. Continues to be involved. Back-to-back 18-plus fantasy point performances. Last name I'll mention is 5,500 Deontay Johnson. Got hurt yet again, but 15 targets. I mean, this guy has just been ridiculous. 10, 13, uh, and then 15 targets in his three full, well, as close to full healthy games you can get. This last one getting uh, banged up late. Matchup against Baltimore does look scary, but Humphreys in the slot and the outside cornerbacks, they've been fine, but nothing like elite. And this volume looks great for him. So Johnson at 55 would be the last guy. Uh, after that, like very deep shots on Denzel Mims all the way down to the 3K range, I think is at least 
appealing and then closing out Cincinnati stacks with AJ Green at 4,500. Yeah, 5% ownership on Deontay Johnson at 4,200 last week was the most preposterous Crazy. thing ever. Uh, and we saw it pay off in spades. He dropped a touchdown too. Would have been an, would have been his third. Uh, his price has come up, but let's make no mistake about it. When he's healthy, he's been he's been Roethlisberger's top target, and I think people forgot that heading into Week Seven. Ben, value for you here at the uh, wide receiver spot. Yeah, I'll echo that, and we'll see. There's a couple situations here. We got to see who's get ruled out and ruled in. Um, one thing we do know is Odell is certainly gone. I, I want to see exactly where. Rashard Higgins ownership comes in obviously he had a big game against Cincinnati six catches for a buck 10 I, I don't know that it's going to be as simple as a plug-in play at 4200 I, I think that was obviously a pretty lofty game but if it looks like he's clearly going to be the other target for Baker outside of Landry that's something I think we should consider the, the matchup with the Raiders is I, I think a good one so other than that though not a lot here I mean so I mentioned Mims. I'm not sure I want to dig that low. He's one of the only guys down there if you have to dig that low, though. So should be some options up and down the salary range. Mooney was targeted uh, on deep balls three times yesterday, but a lot of that was they were playing with a, from a huge deficit. Didn't catch any of them. Foles was under pressure. Uh, it, it got really ugly. Uh, I, I don't think we can trust anyone from New England right now with the way Cam Newton and company are playing. That's just really tough to watch. Uh, and the one guy that's dri- driven me nuts just watching it all season is Nelson Aguilar. You know, he's 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 had some games. And it, it, it stands to reason right now that the Philadelphia Eagles misused him mightily. Uh, they kept him inside in the slot. The Raiders are using him outside, letting him go deep. And he's actually making those catches. Now, to be fair, he dropped all of those available targets in Philly. But here you have it, $4,700 Aguilar. Like, if you're stacking... If you're going with uh, with Derek Carr, I, I don't think Aguilar is the worst idea, and I'd probably go with him over Ruggs because Ruggs' volume of targets has been so low. It's like you need to rely on him to rip off a 70-yard touchdown on one of his three or four targets in order to get where you need to go. So, um, yeah, I, I think Aguilar, if you're looking at Derek Carr, makes sense. Sal mentioned Brandon Ayuk of being another one that should see a lot of work with Debo Samuel out. Tight end position. So let's close it out here. Uh, just to make sure. Oh, I knew I had to say something. We've got free content on the site today. The MLB player projections for game six of the MLB world series uh, between the Dodgers and the Rays are up. They're free. MLB player projections are free on the site. Uh, And while you're over there, be sure to check out our odd shopper site. It's awesome. It's totally free. Uh, You can track your bets. You can set a watch list with alerts for all of your bets. You can shop odds from all different sites, hence the name. See which ones you're getting best. Uh, We'll tell you which is the best line, which is the best total for all of the games. You can check player props by simply typing in the player's name. And our matchups page, Ben, the matchups page has just come out so beautifully. It's huge. Uh, All that information is out there, but what we've done is we've consolidated it into one place. So I I look at all those things regularly but I used to have to go to five different sites. Now you can go and you can get every puzzle piece in one spot. Uh, It makes all the difference. You can see the stuff side by side, look at the matchups, look at the movement. And it it really for, first of all, it's a time saver. And it's some of the most pertinent information you need when you are betting these games. So I can't totally free right now. You should go check it out. It's a great resource to have uh, for DFS and for betting. And it just looks really nice. Yeah. It also looks pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. 
Sal, George Kittle at the top, 54-point total. $7,000, though, that's pricey. But without Debo, uh, do we see him peppered with more targets? Been a little bit unpredictable at times. Travis Kelsey against the Jets. Those are your only really, like, legitimate high-priced guys. If you want to work in Andrews and, and Darren Waller, who I think could be a great play this week, feel free to do that, too. It's crazy that Waller's only $300 more than Hawkinson uh, and only 700 more than Mike Kosicki. Yeah, so this is the first week that we've seen, like, really expensive in a while, at least, maybe week one, really expensive tight end salaries. And Kittle, I'm still going to be interested in. I prefer Kittle to Kelsey this specific week. Yeah, the target share is going to be condensed. I would expect somewhere around nine or ten targets. Don't really look at last week, but he still got seven targets. He was just run blocking a ton. He only ran 19 routes, by far, like, ten less than any other game because all he did was run. They didn't need to pass. It wasn't a Wilson, baby. Yeah, Jeff Wilson. Now, that team is just spirals. When they had Brita to Mostar to Wilson to McKinnon, it just spirals with injured running backs that look great for a game, game and a half, and then you know they're done. It's it's just crazy. But Kittle would be the guy out of those two, like, paying up. Uh, Andrews, I'm pretty scared of this week. Just just Pittsburgh, like, in general, as a defense does. They haven't faced a Mark Andrews player yet, so that's the one thing. But, like, nobody in short passing, whether it's a slot receiver or a tight end, has really been able to do much against them. So I'd probably jump down after Kittle to being most interested in Darren Waller, just from a volume standpoint, you're getting Hawkinson who looks nice, but he's close too too closely priced to Darren Waller for me to want to choose him over him at this point. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go Waller and Kittle on the top end. That's where I'm at too. Waller still has a you know, 26 plus percent target share this, this season, Ben, which is pretty encouraging in this spot. Uh, how do you like tight end? Yeah, I think Waller, you're getting a discount off a guy like Kittle and listen, these guys, you know, they're top Kelsey, all of them, they can have monster games. So it's really just about how much salary you have left. Andrews, I'm a little concerned about. I'm right in line with you guys. Working down a little. Um, if he, We'll have to see. Obviously, Higby was inactive last night. If he sat again, we, I think we saw that Gerald Everett is going to be a factor in this Rams offense. Uh, you know, found the end zone last week. They're not afraid to look at him. Ebron is kind of interesting. Uh, he, he started to walk, work into that offense if Deontay Johnson sits. He could get some target share there, so it's tight end. Listen, there's not a ton of great options. It's more about, can you find a guy that's going to get some red zone looks and really just set the stage for your other skill position players? Well, that leads me to the next question, Ben value Oh boy! in the Millie maker. The winner had Harrison Bryant second place had David and Joku and third place caught a zero from Darren Phelps. Okay. All of these guys dirt cheap. Uh, the the value tight ends have been come, the winner of the Millie Maker in Week One had Robert Tanya who had a zero, so I think you see where I'm going here with with where with the with the question with the phrasing of this question. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm surprised I haven't won the I take a zero like every other week. I don't need a million <laughs> with it though. Um, there are guys as you mentioned. I'll throw in another Irv Smith at flat three. He's starting to show some life I, again. You're not going to find steady volume down here, but if you're looking for someone. Like we mentioned Odell being out. The Browns seem like they want to make Harrison Bryant a part of this offense. Uh, we'll see what's up with Hooper. He had the appendix issue. But, hey, if if that's the case, again, there's no reason to shy away from these guys who are hovering around 3,000. And just to tie it all back, this is the type of plays you need if you want to pay for Henry and Hunt and some of these other premier options at, at running back and wide receiver. Sal, put a bow on the uh, the skill position there. Yeah, so the 4K range, I actually like up top Noah Fant. He was hurt last week. Alberto got a lot of work, but he still ran a lot of routes and saw seven targets. He said after the game that he wasn't feeling 100%. So if we get a week there, that's a nice spot to run back any of those Chargers stacks. 
the opposite side of the Chargers themselves, Hunter Henry would be somebody that I go to 4,200 getting all the volume. He's just not paying off in the end zone, whether it's overthrown passes or drops the last couple of weeks or every other tight end scoring. So that's a little bit concerning. And then, yeah, when, when you're trying to look at punts this week, it seems like DraftKings, they probably didn't consciously do this. There's just nobody down here this week outside of Albert Owen, 2,800. If you get any news that font had a setback, Irv Smith at 3000, but it's not the same minimum price, $2,500 guy. The thing to point out, though, is that Harrison Bryant would be the Cleveland uh, player that I would choose tight end over Njoku. Njoku only ran 12 routes. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. They just, like, don't want to play David Njoku. He ended yeah. up luck boxing into a touchdown. So, Bryant, it's worth pointing out, too, that he only had 17 routes. They were really focused on the running game in that one. Um, if they were passing, it was the outside receiver play. Higgins, the big one. So, he didn't have a lot of usage. He just got the two touchdowns. So, I think that if I'm going to punt all the way down – it's probably Irv Smith again at 3,000. Otherwise, Ebron at 3,900 looks like the best sub 4K tight end for me. Irv Smith was was who I was going to if you didn't get to as well. Yeah, I think there's there's merit to just saying, okay, $3,000, that's good enough for me. Uh, aside from that, it's pretty ugly. But you know what? Zeros have been zeros have been getting it done. Uh, Cole Komet's still not getting enough work for me to consider him. He's down there at 2,500. It's pretty ugly. All right, let's wrap it up, fellas. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to pick it right here. Uh, I don't have a number yet, but I'm going to do, let's go defense under, you know what? It's, it's a little bit tougher this week. I'm going to go tw- under, under 2,900. I'll give you guys a, a little more, a little more, more leeway under 2,900, not 2,900 or below. Sal. So defense is under 2,900 right now. I mean, normally I'm just, I guess, infamous for just taking the bottom end defense. I don't think I could do that this week with the Jets unless they were priced last year, like 1,500. <laughs> we had a couple of $1,500 Jets prices last week. but You did call the Jets last week. I'm assuming they had a decent enough spot. I don't even know what they, yeah, I don't know what they did. I had them in a lot of my lineups and yeah. I just remember losing. Five points, they had like bad. Yeah, like the four or five points that I wanted, yeah. I think they ended up getting to. But yeah, I guess this week, I don't, I don't want to say the Jets this week, but uh, I'll, I'll go to the Cincinnati Bengals to avoid going all the way down to the Jets uh, and just Tannehill's been efficient. Yeah, obviously, obviously I have Derrick Henry there, but I'm just hoping for literally four to five fantasy points at this point out of them. Okay, Ben, what about you? I'm going to go to the Lions, 2,500. That's where I was going. Uh, I, Rivers has shown he's not he's prone to make some big-time mistakes. Obviously, if the game devolves into a shootout, it's not ideal, but at the same time, you're going to get some volume, so... I think that Detroit can cause some problems and at 2,500, it's basically punting. Yeah. I have some concerns that, that if they do get Jonathan Taylor going, it's going to be an issue, but it's also going to slow the pace of the game down uh, and there should be less overall scoring. So uh, the lions are are the spot where I was going to go as well. Uh, Aside from that, um, you know, any team that has a good pass rush against Miami or against the Rams, I'd be willing to look at. Miami's strength is more in their secondary, so I don't have as much interest there. But uh, I, I don't think it's the craziest idea. The Rams have shown us at times that they can be very, very volatile uh, offensively. And if that's the case, uh, 2,400 isn't the craziest idea. But I was going the Lions as well. That'll do it for us, guys. Thanks for hanging out as always. Follow Sal at Sal Vetri DFS. Check him out on YouTube at Sal Vetri DFS. Follow Ben at Jazz DFS, double Z, single D, and myself on Twitter at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. DMs are open if you got questions about Osmo or about really anything else. Hit me up, follow us all, and follow Osmo at Osmo underscore com. Thanks for producing, Jordan. And you guys, thanks for hanging out. Subscribe if you haven't done so yet and hit that thumbs up on your way out the door. We'll see you back here tomorrow. First look at ownership and top stacks on the NFL Strategy Show. Peace.